0: Uh, A little while back, uh, my wife and two boys went on a uh, mother son trip with the school to go and play Dart Wars together. And um, so I had the chance to take my daughter Avery out on a daddy daughter date. And she got to choose the restaurant we went to. And then we came back home afterwards and uh, she chose the movie Beauty and the Beast for us to watch together. Not exactly my choice, but I love my daughter. And so. We were watching together and uh, snuggling on the couch and we got to the place in the movie where the beast frees Belle to go and go home to be with her father. She's able to run free and at that point, Kelly and the boys came back home and we had to turn the movie off and went to bed. It was bedtime. And later on that night, I was lying in bed and I thought to myself, it's not as good of a story if it ends with bell just running free from the beast and the beast is still the beast. Like there's something in us that wants the beast to be redeemed, isn't there? There's something in us that wants the beast to be restored and the beast to be renewed and the beast to be back to being who he was originally created to be. And I thought to myself, man, if we end the story in the wrong spot, we might miss the entire point of the whole story. And then I thought, wow, I, I think there are some followers of Jesus who end the story in the wrong spot. Uh, when I hear people talk about the gospel, um, sometimes I hear them act about, uh, hear them talk about a, a two act story. And here's what you might hear. Um, we are fallen and we are sinful and we are in desperate need of hope and redemption. Believe that's true? I do, I do. And the second act of the story is that Jesus, out of love and compassion for you and I, has stepped into humanity, given his life and death on the cross. He's been resurrected that we might be forgiven of sin and might find hope in him. How many believe that? Yeah, me too. Me too. But that's not the whole story, (laughs) Do you know that if you search the scriptures, the scriptures actually present not a, not a two-act story. See, this story begins in Genesis 3 and ends in Revelation 20. The, the actual scriptural story begins in Genesis chapter 1 and ends in Revelation 22. The actual story that we are in, it begins, act 1 is creation. Where God says, it's good. It's good. Act 2 is the fall it's broken. It's in need. Act three, Jesus steps in and redeems and saves. But friends, that is not the end of the story. The story does not end with Bell simply running away from the beast and waiting for his destruction. The story ends with redemption, with renewal, I mean, after all, Jesus in Revelation chapter 21 says, behold, I am making, say it with me, church, all things new. Here's what he doesn't say. He doesn't say I'm making all new things. He's at work renewing and restoring and repairing what has been broken. And if we are going to find our place in God's story, I beg us to re-examine what that story actually is. If you have a Bible with you, open to Jeremiah chapter 29. And if you don't, there's one in the pew rack in front of you, it's page 673 in that Bible. And we're gonna read a section of scripture where God is gonna write through the prophet Jeremiah to a group of people who are in exile. Israelites who've been carried into exile by the Babylonians and they are roughly 900 miles away from their town, their home. Beginning in verse one, listen to the words of Jeremiah. It says this. These are the words of the letter that Jeremiah, the prophet sent to Jerusalem. So Jeremiah, are from Jerusalem, Jeremiah is back in Jerusalem and he's gonna be writing to an exile camp in Babylon to the surviving elders and the exiles, to the priests, the prophets, and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar has taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Now, if you are an Israelite in exile, are you interested in what God has to say to you? You've been uprooted from your home, you're surrounded by people who think differently, believe differently, talk differently, have different symbols and customs and rituals than you. Um, you're displaced from what you feel like is God's promise to you and God is going to write a letter to you in exile. Aren't you interested in what he has to say to you? Aren't you expecting he's gonna say, my God is greater, my God is stronger, my God is higher than every other. I mean, I'm coming for you. I've got you. Here's what he says, verse four. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat their produce take wives and have sons and daughters take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they might bear sons and daughters multiply there do not decrease but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its welfare you find your welfare For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you and do not let the dreams that they dream, do not listen to the dreams that they dream, for it is a lie. They are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. I think that God's message to the nation of Israel in exile is applicable to us because in many ways we are exiles. Uh, Peter will address uh, his letter to the churches and he will say to them, to the elect exiles, to pilgrims, to sojourners, to people who live in a place that isn't quite home, where things are a little bit out of joint. And what does he say to them? Plant gardens and be fruitful and multiply. Have we heard this story anywhere before? Plant gardens and be fruitful and multiply. It should be ringing some bells for those who are familiar with the scriptures. We should be going, oh, we've heard this before. This is Genesis chapter one and two, isn't it? And what God is saying to the people in exile is even though you don't live in Eden anymore, even though you're east of Eden, that my story and my mandate and my commands still stand. You are to be people who live east of Eden, but who live under this banner of hope that God is at work and that God is on the move. And even in exile, even in exile, you are never called, to be a passive observer of reality, but an active participant in renewal. We're never called to be passive observers of reality, to just sort of sit back and watch it all happen, but we are called by God, invited by God to be active participants in renewal, in his story, the story that he's telling. I'd say it like this for us this morning, Emmanuel Faith, that you are not just saved from something, you are also saved for something. After all, as Jesus would say to his disciples, you are the light of the world. You're a city on a hill. Uh, He says, verse 16, in the same way, let your light shine, Emmanuel Faith. Not just save from, but save for. Let your light shine before others that they might see your good works and might give glory to your Father who is in heaven. We are designed and called to be salt and light. People who partner with God in his desire to bring truth and justice and hope and peace to his world Emmanuel, faith, Emmanuel, faith. What if, what if you are being called to be part of the answer to the prayers that you are praying? It's God's design for us in the story that we live in. And you might be going, oh, Ryan, what does that look like? And how does that play out? Well, I'm so glad you asked that question. Three ways it plays out in a new vision a new attitude, and a new perspective. Let me show it to you, verse four, a new vision. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles who, say it with me, church, I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. If you're in exile and you get this letter, are you going, like, come on, God? You sent us? We're We're your people, we're a, Holy nation, you've promised us a land and now you're saying that you have sent us? And I think what God wants to impress upon his people is that even if this isn't your place, you still have a purpose. And even if you'd rather be somewhere else, you'd rather be back in Jerusalem, that God still has a plan and a purpose for you exactly where you are. And notice the way that Jeremiah addresses in verses eight and nine, the false prophets. They're prophesying in God's name. And if you read down to verses 21 through 23, you'll see what they're prophesying. Here's what they're prophesying. God's gonna get you out of this place. God's gonna remove you, Israelites, and then the whole place is going to burn down. And what Jeremiah says is God is going to rescue you. You are going to be released, but it's going to be 70 years. So hold on tight. Have you ever seen somebody with a tattoo of the verse Jeremiah 29, 11? I know the plans that I have for you declares the Lord, plans to, uh, for a future and a hope, plans to prosper you, not to harm you. I want to say yes and amen to that, but it's going to be 70 years. <laughs> hold on. Hold on tight. And what Jeremiah, uh, God through Jeremiah wants to say to these Israelites is, man, instead of when you're in exile and partnering with God in renewal, not just being an observer, but a participant in renewal, instead of longing for escape, choose to make an impact. Because you cannot work for the good of a place that you just simply are waiting to get out of. I love the way that the Apostle Paul would say it in his prayer from a Roman jail cell on house arrest. Here's what he prays. He says, and pray for also for me. And just so you know, if you ever get a letter from me and I'm in jail, my first prayer request is gonna be, will you pray that I get out of jail? Yeah. Not Paul. Pray for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Even here, Paul would say, even in this place that he wouldn't choose, God has a plan. God has a purpose. God has carried him there. And when we only pray to be removed or hope to be removed, we miss two things. We miss that God has a purpose and we often miss that God is present. Emmanuel faith, you have been, we have been a church for 80 years that has said our goal is not to escape our community. Our goal is to impact our community, to trust that God has us here. 80 years has us here for a reason. And I simply want to say that we are not done with that mission. Amen? God has us here for a reason. We are here to be a hub for people who are lonely to connect and find friendship. We are here so that people who are caught in the throes of addiction might begin to find freedom. We are here to be a place that says we wanna heal and help restore racial divides. We are here to be a community for single parents who feel like they're on this journey alone to find solace and friendship and partnership on the journey. We are here for women who are caught in abusive of relationships to find courage and boldness and hope. We are here so that people can learn how to live in the way of Jesus with the heart of Jesus and flourish in all that it means to be human. We are here for a purpose, not to escape this place, but to make an impact with Jesus, for Jesus. We are here for good. Amen? Amen. Amen. Here's the way that The letter continues, so build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. What does a a garden do? A garden beautifies a place? A garden produces? A garden combines God-given resources, dirt, seeds with human effort and human ingenuity to till the soil and plant the seeds and water the ground. It's, it's partnership. It's renewal. And what God is saying to these people in exile is um, produce, contribute. You're, you're, not, you're not in Babylon to be parasites. You're in Babylon to be a part of the culture, to be a part of the society, to contribute to the economy, to do good. Uh, Not only that, not only that, but can you imagine um, a Israelite in Babylon planting seeds for food that they didn't grow up eating, that they don't exactly like, that wouldn't be their choice, in a sense, in a sense, God is saying, get a Babylonian cookbook and go to town. And as much as you want to plug your nose and as much as you want to say, oh, we really wish that we had what we had back then, the command of God, the importation of God is instead of being a critic, be a contributor. Be a contributor. Now, now I know there's some, I know there's some who think, well, Paulson, aren't we supposed to be critical of some things? Aren't there things that we're supposed to look at as the church and go, that ought not be? Yes, absolutely. But I want to tell you that there's a difference between being uh, for deconstruction, saying that ought not be, and being for renewal, that ought not be, here I am, send me. See, deconstruction just simply says something's wrong. Renewal says, I wanna be a part of helping make what's wrong right. And I wrestled with that this week. I wrestled with this command, build a house and plant a garden. I mean, it doesn't seem spiritual enough. It seems earthy. It seems just like everyday kind of stuff. And it is. It's everyday stuff that God deeply cares about. There's this misnomer sometimes within the church that there's some jobs that are sacred and that there's some jobs that are secular. Like the sacred jobs are you work for the church or you become a missionary or you do X, Y, and Z. And then the secular jobs are, well, every other job. <laughs> and there's some jobs that God blesses and some jobs that God doesn't really care about a whole lot. And I just want to speak into that for a moment and say that's an absolute lie from the pit of hell. That God, regardless of what you do on a daily basis for work, God cares about what you do the church had a word for this for generations it's a latin word called vocation it simply means calling and here's what vocation is vocation is our call your call and mine to bear the image of god faithfully by living with god for the world and so whatever you do if you're a teacher you get to bear the image of god in the way that you interact with kids every single day do it well. If you're a business person, you get to bear the image of God, uh, make a great company culture, make a ton of money and be really, really generous. If you're an electrician, don't burn houses down. Like, like Do it for the glory of God, with God. It's all a part of his mission and his stories. Theologian theologians would call this common good, common good. Martin Luther was once asked, how, how should the Christian shoemaker go about his job? Should he put little crosses on all of his shoes? And Luther looked back at the man and said, no, the Christian shoemaker should not, not put little crosses on all of his shoes. The Christian shoemaker should make really good shoes. Yeah, plant a garden Build a house, do the normal everyday stuff. Or Emmanuel Faith, um, plant a tree. (laughs) Plug right here. Let's, I would love for us to overwhelm the city of Escondido by saying as as a church, we want to partner with what the city needs to beautify our city. Let's blow their doors off with how many people show up. So here's my question for you this morning. What situation are you complaining about? Are you critical of? Uh, Maybe it's in your home or in your workplace. Maybe it's politically. Maybe it's just in our community and in our culture in general. What situation are you complaining about? What situation do you say, that ought not be? And would you just imagine today that Jesus just holds a mirror up to you and asks the question, how might you, how might you be an answer to the prayers that you're praying? What part could you play in the renewal work that Jesus wants to do? I love, I love that this is a church that said, we're not gonna be critical of the refugee crisis that's going on in San Diego, but we're gonna partner with other churches across North County to make a difference, to contribute. I love being a part of that kind of a church. What ought not be? What breaks your heart that also breaks God's heart? And how might be he be calling you to get involved? Verse six, verse six. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they might bear sons and daughters. Multiply there. See, exile is for increase, not for decrease. Verse seven. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its welfare, you will find your welfare. Three commands. Marry, increase, as if to say, don't stop living. Don't stop living. And pray. Can you imagine how difficult it would have been for an Israelite to pray for the flourishing of Babylon God please bless these people please keep them please make your face to to shine upon them please be good to them even them And within this command is a unique picture uh, amongst the the, the Christian faith of what it looks like to live in a way that causes flourishing. We never flourish just as individuals. We flourish communally as a group of people. The church does not flourish as an isolated organism or isolated entity. The church flourishes as the community flourishes. That's what God is saying to people who are in exile instead of focusing individually, start thinking communally. And it's so easy, isn't it, to live with a tribalistic mentality and us versus them that we get better if everybody else gets a little bit worse. And what God would say is that is not the way my church seeks flourishing and it's not the way my church seeks change. My church works for the good of the whole city. So it's not just praying that Emmanuel faith would flourish, it's praying that Escondido and North County would flourish. It's not just working to see Emmanuel faith be be great and make an impact for the city, which I pray that we do. It's praying that other churches in our area would have a great impact, that they would grow, that they would see people come to faith in Jesus. This is not competition. We are for the good and flourishing of our city because we believe that in its flourishing, we find ours. It's interesting that, each time it says welfare in the NAS and the ESV, welfare, um, peace and prosperity in the, in the NIV, it's this Hebrew word, shalom. Would you say that with me? Shalom. I love Eugene Peterson's definition of that. He says this, shalom means wholeness, the dynamic vibrating health of a society, that pulses with divinely directed purpose and surges with life transforming love. That's why we are here to see this happen, not just in the church, but in local governments, in law enforcement, in businesses. And you have, you have a part to play in that. friends. This is what the church has been doing since its inception. The church created hospitals, cared for the sick, cared for the dying, was a huge advocate and catalyst for education and literacy. This is our history, friends. We aren't charting any new territory. We're just simply saying, what does it look like to carry the baton faithfully in our day and our time in our city for the glory of Jesus and for the joy of people? And for 80 years, this church has been doing that. One of the unique ways that Emmanuel faith has been a part of this community is for 22 years, we've run the bridge, 48 volunteers on a weekly basis, roughly 90 kids that are impacted. And I want you to see a little bit of their story hi my name is ernie martinez i'm the director of neighborhood ministries and i'm also the director of the bridge community center welcome to the bridge volunteering at the bridge for eight years now so uh, some of the kids we I started out with they were little tiny things and they were learning how to read and now I'm working with them in eighth grade or ninth grade or tenth grade and just to see them grow and develop and mature and even though it's one day a week um, having having a role to play in their lives as an adult someone who loves Jesus and can demonstrate What faith is um, every Tuesday night. It's it's such a great opportunity to plug into my community and to know that um, I'm using my gifts to be obedient and to express love for God by just helping kids out with math and with English. And um, it's been a great experience all eight years. I've really enjoyed it to be able to sort of talk with them and kind of hear their stories, uh, work on homework and help them with in the ways that we can and um, just really you know be the hands and feet of Jesus in, in their lives. Hi my name is Angela Cordera Martinez and I've been coming here since second grade and now I'm in eighth grade come here because um, I like doing my homework with other people around me. And the bridge, it feels like a family to me. love that I absolutely love 48 volunteers, 90 kids every week, 22 years of faithful impact in this community. We have people from our church that regularly serve in prisons that help feed the homeless, that work with women who are pregnant and in a difficult place in life, that work with foster kids that share the good news of Jesus on local elementary school campuses, Emmanuel Faith, we have been doing this. I'm simply just saying, let's keep being a church that's here for the good of our community as we partner with Jesus for renewal. Amen. Amen. There's a number of booths out in the courtyard. I would encourage you on your way out to go visit those. Even if you don't plan on signing up for anything, walk through and pray and then just do this dangerous thing and ask Jesus, is there anything you want me to do in partnership with you? Two things as we close, okay? Two things. As a church, we are here to share the good news That Jesus Christ is the Messiah, that he has come, that he has lived, he has died and risen again. And that in him there is forgiveness of sin and new life in his name. We're here to share that good news with our community. And then we are here also to extend the great love of God to whomever we come in contact with. After all, the movie doesn't end with Belle running away from the beast. That's not the end. She actually runs back to the beast. And in her love, the beast is renewed, restored, brought back to life. Friends, may we be the kind of church that North County, Escondido, and the world finds the love of Jesus through and is renewed and brought back to life. Amen? Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me? We're gonna affirm that truth together that we wanna be that kind of a church. And I'll give you a moment to just pause and read this to yourself, and then we're gonna read it together. We just wanna collectively say, God, that's the kind of church that we wanna be. That's the kind of church that we wanna be. So would you say this with me, church? As Emmanuel Faith, we will be a community committed to joining God in his mission of renewal. We will share the good news of Jesus and live out the great love of Jesus. We will work with Jesus for the good of our homes, neighborhoods, city, city and world. Jesus, may it be true of us. We love you, and it's in your name that we all pray. And God's people said, amen. Amen. Amen.